Lady Charmaine, are you sure this shadow work is light work? It looks questionable to me. It's fine, McZuffy. But what about toxic light work? Ugh, just grab a warm beverage and settle in. In scene, just misfits. Hello, beautiful misfits. Are you fed up with the good vibes only crowd? People telling you where to go and how to be present? Afraid to make your own choices and free to be you? Feeling just trapped? Us too. Join us as we turn the light out on spirituality and get comfortable with the shadows right now with Misfit Mondays. Hello, beautiful people. Mick Zeppi here. Pronouns are any and no, which means that you can use any pronouns or you can use uh, no pronouns when referring to me. I've been on a little bit of a gender journey since we last spoke. Um, So here's the update. Uh, You're welcome. And with me, as always, is Lady Charmaine, pronouns she and hers. Um, And so tonight, how many of you have ever felt personally victimized by positivity? You know what I'm talking about. You're sitting there doom scrolling through Instagram and you're just blasted with this positive vibes only. Or you have this relentlessly cheery friend whose go-to response is, well, on the bright side, the bright side of what, Kevin? Huh, you're just such a fucking ray of fucking sunshine, aren't you? Well, tonight on Misfit Mondays, our very special guest, Dr. Mark Daniels, chimes in on toxic positivity. So why, hello there, Dr. Mark. Aloha. How's it going? Good to be here. I'm excited for it. Wonderful. It's going great. Yeah. Good. So can I'd like to start a little bit, get some level setting with people. So what are your names, your pronouns? Who are you? What do you do? Your work? I'm just kind of going to throw all them out here and let's just see what comes up. Fantastic. So my name is Mark Daniels. And sometimes people call me Dr. Daniels because I've got a PhD in clinical psych. And I usually look around to see who they're talking to because I never... The only time I use Dr. Daniels is when I'm calling a hospital or a clinic because people respond to that better. And I get, you know, I, I sort of use it in in a colonial, colonial way because people respond. But I, I prefer to people calling me Mark. That works fine. Or Papa D. That's the other one. That's probably my most beloved name is Papa D. Um, and uh, I'm a, an indigenous native person. I I come from uh, Salt Lake City, of all places, Um, so the Mormon capital of the world, and that has, I'm a sixth generation Mormon, so um, so that's probably an interest, I bet I'm the first sixth generation Mormon you've had on your show, I don't know if that's true, but we, and we have lots of toxic positivity in Mormonism, so um, I'm no longer a member of the Mormon church, but I'm it's sort of like you grow up in Salt Lake. It's just a part of who you are, too. Um, and my folks both grew up on the the Uinta Ute or Northern Ute Reservation in Utah. So it's kind of in the in the northeast corner with Wyoming above it and Colorado next to it. And it's a large reservation. I think it's the biggest, second biggest one in this in the United States besides the Navajo reservation that's in the southern part of Utah and into Arizona and New Mexico. Um, and let's see, what was I supposed to tell you? Oh, probably the, the things I'll tell you that are most important about me is I am dad to six kiddos. Well, seven kiddos. Let's put make it seven. Um, and it's way too many. It should be illegal. Um, 
and I have kids from lots of sort of sorts and kinds. So I have four biological kids, three from my first wife of 13 years. And um, when we split up, God, that was years ago, um, we co-parented our kiddos and, um, and we still do, even though they're all adults now, and we co-parent our kids and our grandkids. And then I got married a second time for 10 years. And my second wife had two, um, uh, two boys who were right in the age of my kiddos. And so most of my kiddos, my oldest is 30. I think I have five in the twenties and then, and then my second wife and I had a kiddo who's now 10. And then we've been apart now for five years. So we co-parent this little 10 year old and the 10 year old calls her other my other kid's mom auntie and and their stepdad uncle and gets treated that way gets lots of love from so we have a, a i don't know we've been able to make this funky family work and we meet two or three times a year all together for usually christmas and easter and and we meet throughout the year in different sort of arrangements even with covid we had a birthday party for my oldest uh, or my youngest um, at the theater in Vermilion. I live in Vermilion, South Dakota. And we had, I think, six households who came, different family. And we we socially distanced at the theater. We rented the theater. And we had a wonderful time together. But we still kept kind of socially distancing and that sort of thing. So, so that's really one important thing. My seventh kiddo in that mix is I have a hunka son, if you know that terminology, that's a Lakota term for uh, uh, adopted son. So he came into my life when he was 16. His grandma was one of my clients and he's, his dad was native and his mom was white. His grandma was white and she was raising him. And he was having questions about his native background. And I said, oh, he should come and join us and come to ceremony with us. And we haven't been able to get rid of him since. So, um, and he has a, He's married and he has two kiddos too. So I got four grandkiddos. One of my, uh, I have a trans son, Dylan, um, and he's in a relationship with April and a two-spirit person, April, and they have two kiddos. Um, so I have four grandkids, these wonderful little human beings. Um, and so that's really important part of who I am. I'm, a, like I mentioned earlier, a clinical psychologist. Um, and I work for Sanford right now. I was a USD professor for eight years in psychology and in native studies. And I've worked for the VA as a clinical psychologist um, for seven years or eight years. I can't remember how long that was. And I've worked for a couple of tribes too. And right now I'm in, in the Vermilion Sanford. And then probably most important in terms of that kind of professional thing, I'm a member of the board of directors for the transformation project. I don't know if you've heard of that before or not, um, but it is a remarkable nonprofit. Um, we now have a sister nonprofit called the transformation project advocacy network. Um, and so the first board, I I'm on the kind of the founding board with that. And our mission is to, um, support and empower transgender youth and young adults 
and their families and to educate people in our state and in the region about gender identity and gender expression. And this is a particularly busy time of year for us because of legislation is in session, but that's why we formed the second uh, nonprofit because the advocacy network is a 401 or 501-4C, we're a 3C. And so a 4C can spend more time, energy, money, focusing on advocacy work. And so they're doing lots of things. You might see that there are marches around the state on Saturday. So lots of the big cities, I think seven cities, including Eagle Butte, are going to have marches um, at 10 o'clock, I think. At least that's when ours is in Vermilion. Um, as we have, a one in, we have one in Brookings as well, so I'll be there. Oh, yeah. And I forget the title for it, but it's, you know, like Trans Lives Matter and and just sticking up for all the amazing and beautiful people who are part of our family, you know, and this time is really, really hard for many, many trans folks. And when I use trans, I mean that big sort of the big, big de definition, which is just anyone who doesn't identify in a with their assigned uh uh you know birth gender sex whatever um and and so um yeah so that's something we really want to celebrate i don't know if you were a part of it last year we had a beautiful one in sioux falls last year and I think we had over 400 people come. We had some of the state representative, uh, Congress, you know, some of our legislators who joined us there. Just some, we got some rock stars in legislation who are, you know, trying to enlighten people because most people, they don't know what the heck they're doing when they're talking about this stuff. They just, it's like, you know, they don't know any trans folks or if they do, they don't know that they know someone. And, and they're just, they're making up stuff, you know, they're making up like, oh, we got to have an athletic fairness bill because we can't have trans girls being in athletics. And, you know, they make up problems that don't even exist. And, um, but the great thing is even in a state that has out of our hunt, we have a hundred, see, I got to get this right, 105 representatives. So, uh, 70 reps and 30 senators. <clears throat> Each district has one senator and two representatives. Out of that 105, 94 are Republicans and 11 are Democrats. And so often in the bigger mainstream world, we think Democrats are pro-LGBTQ and two-spirit people and Republicans are against them. But <clears throat> that's Luckily, it's not the truth. And lucky, luckily, we have some really kind, generous, caring, insightful Republican uh, legislators who who support our communities. And so I'm just really super grateful for that. And well, we're really um, super grateful for you. And I, I mean, I know you personally, but everyone who is working at the transformation project of South Dakota is truly an amazing group of individuals. And so thank you for your work there. Uh -huh. um, I, the, yeah. you know, it's just amazing. So thank you for being with us today and uh, mm -hmm. enlightening us as, as we move forward. I know as, um, 
as we said, we're talking about toxic positivity today and, and how that shows up for people. And, you know, and even bringing this forth into the work that you do every day, you know, how do you see toxic positivity showing up? Um, not just in, um, our trans youth, but also in the clinical setting that you work within. Mm -hmm. Are you Mm -hmm. finding that people are still um, having issues in that area? Well, it's an interesting issue. And and first of all, I'm going to talk about maybe my own journey in this a little bit, because I have a tendency to be really a positive person. I mean, that's... um, I mean, if you could see me right now, you would see that in my work environment, I am wearing a long sleeve, button down, kind of like Mormon missionary businessman shirt, but it happens to be rainbow tie-dyed. And and so that's kind of how I walk my life, really, in, in a lot of ways. And so I think it's 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 important to kind of figure out the difference between embracing life and and toxic positivity and i think sometimes i probably step over it and and sometimes i probably even you know people are like ah! i'm barfing right now because shut up <laughs> um you know so i don't want to act like I, that i don't ever have to deal with this in my own life um and it's a balance, you know, it's, it really is a balance. And I see, um, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing. I mean, I think like, if I think of it in terms of my clients, I mean, one, I guess one place where I see it happening a lot really is in the Mormon church I grew up in. And this might be similar to lots of other church settings. I don't know. I haven't had experiences in many others, but there's sort of like this expectation for perfection in Mormonism. And, you know, so, so people, and, and they sort of live that life, but it's not always real. You know, it's not always authentic. And a lot of times there's a lot of stress under it, but there's no place to talk about the stress. There's no place to, be imperfect, you know, because the expectation is, and this isn't exclusive to Mormonism in lots of places, but in Mormonism, the expectation is you're the perfect parent, you know, that your kids are perfect. And if there's any deviation in that, there's something wrong with you, you know, there's, and so people sort of just sometimes play that role without the reality of it and without the getting their jeans dirty part of it, you know, Mm -hmm. or they do get their jeans dirty part, but they don't talk about that even, you know, they don't talk about what it's like to have a disagreement with one of your kids over something, you know, and how do you manage that in a way that's useful? You know, what happens when someone's really angry or mad at you, you know, what happens when, your partner is, you know, how do you deal with that instead of just kind of acting like everything is perfect all the time? Um, So, so I think that's one place I see it. I think people come in feeling less than feeling like there's this need to be 
like the expectation is perfection always. Um, one of my favorite authors and speaker presenters, you know, these days authors are much more than just writing books, but is a Franciscan monk named Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. I don't know if you've ever heard of Richard Rohr, but I think some Catholics consider him a heretic because he's he, he really pushes the edges of dogmatic ways of being. And, and he's really willing to sort of explore the dirty places, the places that are difficult, the struggles, you know. And, and I, I just really admire him for that willingness. And I think of, you know, I go to a church in Vermilion, the United Church of Christ. So I sort of do native spirituality in this beautiful way. And I go to the UCC church. And what I love about the UCC church is it's non-doctrinal. So sort of really the opposite of my Mormon way of growing up, where everything was structured and prescribed and you were told how to do everything. Here, the main concept is that you're compassionate, caring, loving uh, community member, and, and you figure the rest out. You're just entrusted with that. But I love my pastor because one of his, uh, his favorite talk every year is on doubting Thomas. And so that was so different than my Mormon experience, where you just had to be rock solid, sure, and there was no wavering. And he loves someone who doubts who doesn't know everything, who has questions. So I don't know. I don't know how I'm not a very linear answerer. So that's fine. I think, I think I've, I think I've gotten these threads of what you're talking about. So in the, in the process of what you're talking about, it feels like, you know, when we, when we're born into this world and we're born into this existence, for me, I believe that, you know, we're souls that we're souls that come into different bodies at different points in order to learn different lessons and I think that the general message that is here is that we are born with this container of deservingness and worthiness. So it, and this container is completely filled. And then as we go through life, there's a couple, there's a couple things that happen to us um, when we're navigating experiences um, where <clears throat> we're taught that we have to hear, adhere to certain expectations, that we have to be perfect and clean and not show the messy, dirty parts of ourselves ever, to the shadow stuff that we've talked about in numerous episodes. Um, we also are taught that we are not allowed to navigate difficult conversations, that we we just have to kind of hide and run from those. And then the last one is like, we're not, we're taught that we, we're not taught how to regulate difficult emotions. And so what happens is that this toxic positivity for me is an effort to kind of refill that bucket that where everything kind of takes everything out, all that energy that we get thrown in there, all that messiness that gets shoved in there in an effort to kind of control and corral that we engage in toxic positivity. Cause that seems to be the way that we can fill up with that warmth and that comfort and that security that comes with toxic positivity. We feel good about something. So then we don't have to worry about all this dark stuff. These are, these are the shadow pieces that we have to hide um, of ourselves. And so it feels to me with this, toxic positivity it's and the thing is that we can't really selectively choose these emotions that we have because it, do, it doesn't work like that and so we're taught that oh okay well we have all these um things and and it could be worse um and that and that's the thing is like we're told that oh it could be worse so have some gratitude um show up with kindness do like all these things that we get fed um just ends up being the message we're taught and so then we don't ever learn 
And then we kind of forget along. Well, not even that we don't ever learn. It's like we forget along the way um, that um, I don't even remember where I was going. I had a, a good thought and it just disappeared. Um, but yeah, so so along the way, we have to we have to learn to do all those things that we were taught to hide. So we have to learn to have those difficult conversations. We have to learn to regulate those emotions. We have to show the messy parts of ourselves and we have to be comfortable with that. Um, there's a lot of shame and blame that shows up. So how do we get comfortable in that shame and that blame? Um, Brene Brown does a lot of stuff on that. I think in another mm-hmm. episode, we'll talk about Brene Brown because um, I, I basically <laughs> am in love with her. Rockstar, um, man. Yeah. So there's just this expectation, these expectations that are put on us and with toxic positivity, I feel like one, we try to preserve it. Um, but then the question then becomes of why are we trying to preserve this toxic positivity? What is what is the real reasons that we want to do this? And then how do we unlearn that toxic positivity and learn to sit in the shit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, really important. And it's really a great issue to address. In fact, the reason I was bringing up Richard Rohr is one of his books is called Falling Upward. And so his contention is that it's in our falling. It's in the getting in the shit. It's in the the struggle. It's in that our growth happens. That 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 really, I mean, you know, to, to use the word upward, like somehow when I fall and we're taught that when we fall, that's horrible, terrible. There's something wrong with us. We're less than and we should never fall, right? Or we just get back up and shine. But he argues that in the falling, that's where we grow and learn. That's that's where the richness of life is. That's like where the soil is ready to receive our seed of growth. And, and I think that's critical, you know, because, um, you know, I see that in here all the time where, where people – they're afraid to fall. You know, I, I mean, I just sat with a, a young lady and, you know, I just saw how critical she is of herself because that's what happens. If you have that toxic positivity, I don't know that anyone escapes that without in their real heart to heart with self feeling less than feeling, you know, devalued, feeling disempowered, feeling like, what the fuck's wrong with me? You know, what, why am I the single person who doesn't have it together? You know, when we're collectively, we're all screwed up. Every one of us is, I mean, that's, that's part of the beauty is each of us. We're screwed up and there's, there's nothing wrong with being screwed up because that's just part of the human condition. That's part of how we grow and learn. And, and, you know, Another one of my real heroes is, if you know, Tick, well, you mentioned one, which is is uh, Brene Brown. I mean, just, I don't know how many times I've watched that TED Talk. I think out of the 10 million views it has now, I think it's 12 now, 7 million of them are mine. So I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've watched that. I mean, and the first time I heard it before I read any of her books or anything, was just like how it resonated with me because that's what she's about. Like, it's like, you know, you you have to be vulnerable, you know, vulnerability is noble. That's it's beautiful. Not it's, you know, bad or it's shameful. And so, um, but one of my other 
heroes is Thich Nhat Hanh. If you, I don't know if you know who Thich Nhat Hanh is, but he's this wonderful Buddhist kind of Zen master, and he's in his 90s. I, I think he's still alive because I'm hooked to sources that tell me, but last I heard, you know, he's been breathing his last breaths for two or three years. They finally let him back into Vietnam because they exiled him because he wouldn't side with anyone during the war. And he's the one who educated Dr. King, Martin Luther King, about Vietnam. And you, as you probably know, King took a real strong stance against the Vietnam War in the later part of his life. And um, But one of the things that, that um, Thich Nhat Hanh, they call him Tay, that means teacher. But one of the things that, that he says, and when I heard him say this, just like it didn't fit any of the paradigms I had of the world. He's, it, it, all of my uh, toxic positivity paradigms did not fit. This is what he said. He said, he said, there is suffering in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. It's like already, I think kingdom of heaven, I don't think that's a, a Buddhist term. I don't know. It may be, but, but he's, you know, he's connected with lots of Christian folks, lots of Western folks. Um, but then he goes on. And so when I hear that, I love him. I already like this guy. So I'm just like intrigued because that's not the kingdom of heaven. I learned about at church, right? That is definitely not that kingdom of heaven. Um, that kingdom of heaven was lounge chair and a drink. Um, it wasn't an alcoholic drink because I was a Mormon. So, um, no, actually in Mormonism, it's a little different than that, that, but it did not involve suffering. Um, so then he goes to explain, he says, you know, when I suffer, he says, I don't want to live in a world where there's no suffering. And I'm like, what? And, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to live. And so, and then he says, he says, because when I suffer, I learn compassion. And that's just like, whoa, that is, that still just sticks with me because that's what being human is about. You know, that's what connects us to one another, to this bigger, remarkable, amazing world and cosmos around us is love, compassion, appreciation, you know, that gratitude. And I don't know, that's just really given me an insight I didn't have before that moment. An insight that's really helpful as a therapist, because I deal with, I work with so many of my relatives who come in. And by relatives, I mean any of my human family who come in and who are suffering, you know, who are suffering. And it doesn't make sense to them. And it doesn't, you know, they can't see any way out of it. And so, I don't know, maybe that's the antithesis of, of uh, toxic positivity. And I could see how a good toxic positivist, positivist could weave that right into a Oh, you're suffering now. So isn't life grand? <laughs> but, but I'm not trying to say that. But I'm just saying that that's where we find meaning. That's where we find richness. That's where we find growth in those experiences. So I think that if I we agree with, with, Oh, go ahead, Charmaine. Oh, I was just going to say, I agree with that. That's really all, you know, mid, Misfit Monday started from this place of, you know, well, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for Zeph, but working through my own trauma and shadow work and having so many people be like, oh, you're just 
overreacting, you're over emotional, you're, and it's like, no, these are real valid emotions and you can shut your happy little mouth about it. Like I'm, I'm ready to go deep. Like I'm ready to dive deep into life and I'm, I'm done playing surface level games. Um, and not everybody's ready for that. Like they just don't even know what deep, raw, vulnerable, vulnerability is about, which, um, is unfortunate, but you know, that's part of the work that we're trying to do is really make things open for everyone so that they can see shadow work and trauma work done differently. Cause people don't talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about the uncomfortable shit. Um, mm-hmm. But we have to, because like you said, it is the thing that brings us together and realizing that you're not the only one is us, you know, reaching out our hands with compassion saying, Hey, we, we get it. We see you. We're here. Please come and um, enjoy some time with us every week. Mm-hmm. Zeph, what were you going to say? I was going to say, so, and, you know, along with that, there's suffering in the kingdom of God kind of concept, which, you know, I think God has been, I think God has been maligned a lot just because in like cis white heteropatriarchy, it's come on to mean something completely different. And I think that I've been trying to reappropriate kind of what God looks like. Um, Actually, my friend Colin Medell, who does a lot of work with uh, A Course in Miracles, has kind of really shifted that feeling around the word God with me. Um, I've had like a really negative, visceral response to the word God. Like I just want to punch somebody when I hear the word God because it just makes you so super uncomfortable. But I think along with that line of like, there's suffering in the kingdom of God. I, I truly believe that we are spirit, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And so for that, it's a, it's a, a matter of saying, you know what, this is, this is a lesson that's happening for you. What is this lesson right now? And I think that when we are talking about toxic positivity and we're talking about these people who are just relentlessly happy, I call them almost like happiness bullies because it's like, you're completely saying that my experience isn't valid because, oh, well, there's this thing over here. You should look on the bright side of things. You should do this. You should do that. Like there's so much happiness that's running around. And I'm like, yes. And it's a yes. And kind of thing. It's a both and kind of question. Cause I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know what? That's true. That is happening over there. And I can see that and I can appreciate that that is your experience. However, it doesn't negate the fact that there is still this suffering that's going on. And what is the work that we are called here to do? And I feel like part of the work that, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I know that the work that I'm called here to do is to say, all right, let's, let's, let's peek into this, like this negative stuff that, well, let me not even say negative because negative carries a lot of connotations. What is this unpleasant things that are sitting over here that we have to shift through? What, what is, what is this thing over here? What is this darkness, this shadow piece? Um, and how do we work through it? How do we embrace it and figure out where those diamonds are in the center of that, figure out where that light is that's shining through the cracks, because that's where we're going to find the greatest joy, the greatest comfort and the greatest pleasure that we can imagine. But we just have to go through some things. And it's not to say that we deserve it either, but I think it's teaching us compassion. I think it's teaching us resiliency. I think it's fostering, um, gratitude. I think there's a lot of good that comes out of it. And I think that is the piece where for me, the toxic positivity really irritates me and really irks me. Cause it's like, yeah, we can talk about positive stuff, but also there's messy stuff too. And we, and we can't be positive all the time because I don't know what you're the fuck you're talking about. Poverty doesn't, ex- poverty doesn't just cease to exist because you want to focus on the bright side of life. 
racism doesn't just cease to exist because you're giving it good vibes. That's bullshit. You need to put in the work to understand why it's happening in the first place and what can we do as human beings to decide differently next time and to choose differently. And I think that is where I get frustrated with the, um, the toxic positivity aside from the invalidating is it's almost like you are deciding that some of this human experience you're just not interested in because it doesn't feel good. Okay. That's good for you. But also like, I don't understand where, why you're deciding to not learn from this in the first place, what's happening and where do you find that compassion? Yeah. That was my sermon from the Mount. Sorry. No, no, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I guess for me, that's where I, I, the part I don't have a problem with, I am a really super positive person, I think as a general rule, but I don't have any, I totally have space to empathize, to understand, to go with someone in their pain, to sit in that place with someone, not even with an answer for it, not even with, you know, just to be in that space. And, and you know, what a job to have or that I get invited on that journey really daily, multiple times a day, often, you know, to walk down really painful roads with people, you know, and some of that road has been constructed by themselves and some of it's been constructed by others around them, you know, and, and to try to then make sense of it, to, to give meaning to it, to, you know, to find that there's purpose and there's hope and there's happiness. And I don't mean happiness like la, 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 birthday happiness. I mean, in an internal sense of a sense of being able to have joy, to go outside and to see the sunset. And if you did that right now, probably, and you looked up, you'll also see almost a full moon coming up. That's probably just brilliant. And to experience that, you know, to have it be a part of who you are and have it. And so, you know, I think, I don't know, I guess the other piece, a piece of this is that this journey can't ever be done by oneself. There's definitely one self moments in it. I'm not trying to say that. There's a lot of work one has to do, but it can only be done. I think it was Lady Charmaine who said, you know, holding each other's hands, you know, it's, and, and in a sense, that's what this is, right? This podcast is a, is a time to sit down and sort of in some crazy cyber way, embrace one another in the hurt and the pain and the laughter and the joy and the struggle, you know, and, you know, I think it's been so interesting how the past four years with kind of 2020 being the, you know, the height of pain for so many people, you know, I mean, at so many different levels and that journey and, and interestingly how a few, a key person, and then maybe we could argue COVID, a uh, kind of a natural process that happens in 
human earth life, how those two things have created so much pain and anxiety for so many people, you know, for so many people. And, and yet really how they're just a representation of stuff that's there every single day. It's there even today, right now. It's not any, it's not any less today, just because it's not in the most visible place that we see it on the news every single night uh, or this person, you know, it, it, it wasn't like it didn't exist the day before that person was elected and it existed the day after. It just all of a sudden it had a face to it, you know. You talked about, Zeph, about racism, you know. I mean, racism has been, you know, this is, this is an ongoing problem, you know. And, and I see it. I watch often PBS News at night. And I'm grateful I hear about indigenous and Native American people more than I have in the past, but how often Native people are forgotten in any of these discussions, you know, how often it's a black-white issue. And I'm not, I mean, Black Lives Matter completely and totally, and and I don't have, I just completely agree with that. Um, but it's even bigger than that, you know, it's indigenous lives, it's trans lives, it's anybody who doesn't fit you know, that toxic positivity model of perfection, you know, um, and, and so, you know, to me, there's such an important piece of how do we create community? Because part of this is our call, we're call, this is the colonization that we're going through, and we've been going through for a long time. And often we think when I hear that term, it's used to mean sort of like the dominant white culture, colonizing native indigenous culture, black culture, other, but really everybody gets colonized in this process. I mean, nobody's free of this beast. And, um, and the colonization is that community doesn't matter. You know, that it's all about me as an individual and that somehow if if we think we can find some level of happiness and contentment with that i think we're going to be you know it doesn't matter how much money you have that that doesn't give you the depths of fulfillment that you can have just being connected to another human being i would argue it doesn't even have to be a human being it could be your dog you know, it can be outside sitting under a tree. I mean, there, there, there's just, and if we don't have relationships with other humans, with this remarkable cosmos that we're a piece and parcel of, we, we can't be happy. You know, we can't find fulfillment. And until we do that, that's the place where our healing happens. That's the place where we can realize we're in community. There's lots of people who hurt. No, no one makes it through this process without them. You know, no one, as much as I just talked about, you know, a leader who in my eyes brought a lot of pain to us and represented a lot of pain that already existed. I'm certain if I could walk the life of his life and in his shoes, I would find so much pain in that life. You know, I would find because money doesn't somehow 
bring that happiness. I mean, you know, we need to eat. We need those things. I'm not saying money's not important for our survival. We need that. But, you know, that's not it's that's not the richness you need to to be fulfilled. And so if you're acting like a third grader all the time, it's probably because that's all the more you were ever allowed to mature in your life. You know, that's that's the level of connection you have with with what's important around you. Anyway, that's just. Uh... Well, thank you so much for imparting your knowledge with us and and talking with us on these topics. You're and, and bringing up colonization differently because you're right. There's we look at it in one framework and we don't really see the the larger picture outside of that. Now. How can our viewers get a hold of you and the organization that you work with throughout your Instagram handles or however you like to communicate with people? Well, you already saw how technologically advanced I am by the fact it took me 15 minutes to get on this uh, to get connected with you. So I am on, I don't have any Instagram. I am on Facebook, uh, Mark Daniels probably with a, some tie-dye sort of thing out in Vermilion. Um, my uh, email address is Mark, M-A-R-K-C, Daniels, M-A-R-K-C-D-A-N-I-E-L-S, and then a one, the number one at the end. So markcdaniels1 at gmail.com. So people are welcome to contact me that way. You can look up the transformation uh project i think it's just transformation project maybe it's transformation project sd.org yeah i think it's transformation project sd and that's uh the same on instagram uh mm -hmm. so that's great and on facebook too there's it's on there yeah if if you're a trans person you're a trans young adult or trans youth connect with us. Please do. We've got some amazing resources. We've got a whole set of books we send out and, and to people. We've got the most amazing, if you haven't seen it, you've got to find it, Transforming South Dakota Magazine. We're doing our second edition. I don't, I think it's right on the verge of being ready. The first edition came out last year, has 14 trans youth and young adults, and by trans, I mean trans, genderqueer, non-binary, two-spirit, um, and, and uh, it has, each of those 14 people got to be, uh, have pictures taken wherever they wanted, like they picked a place, one of their favorite places. Um, my son Dylan is in it, his place was at Jennifer White, if you know Jennifer White, one of the most amazing Native uh, female yeah, artist in the world. I have a Jennifer White piece in my office here. If you see that behind oh, me, oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know Jennifer White the second you see it. Um, and and Jennifer is a dear dear friend. And but uh, well, oh so 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 that's where he has his pit. He has his photographs taken in her gallery. You know, and uh, I saw one of the youth at the this amazing mural if you haven't seen the mural in vermilion the murals there look up uh vermilion community murals or something like that on facebook and you'll see just the most remarkable indigenous gigantic 
you know, two, three story high native brown skin women in public art, you know, and um, it's just remarkable. But one of the kids, I don't think it was a native kid. I think it was trans kid who wanted, that's where he wanted his pictures taken in front of that, you know? And, uh, and so it's got the stories of these 14 people and they interviewed each of them. And then they gave the interviews to writers who then told the story. So you get the story told uh, sort of about the person, but it's really in their own words. And, uh, and it's just wonderful. And we sent that out. We made, I don't know how many thousands of those magazines. Our first goal, we sent one to every legislator so they could humanize trans people. Like, oh, these are regular human beings with the same needs and desires and goals and visions and talents that other people have, that all of us have. And, and, uh, now we now send it to every uh, church or synagogue or religious place. Um, and we're sending it to every counselor in high schools and colleges. And um, we're just trying to get it out to any people who this would be a useful tool for. But anyway, if you're trans youth or young adult, contact us, contact me, and I'll connect you into this loop. We have uh, support groups that go a couple times a month on um, Zoom right now. Uh, we have them live when it's not COVID time. Um, in fact, we've got this plan. Let me tell you about this. We're going to do a movie night in about a month um, in Sioux Falls. Uh, we're probably going to have two different movies, uh, an earlier time for younger kids and younger folks, and in a another time for maybe older teens and young adults. Um, and you can bring a guest um, and, you know, and if maybe for the younger folks, they can come with family too. And, and anyway, we just, and we're going to do it in a, we're going to be aware of the virus and we're going to wear masks and we're going to distance and we're going to do those things. But we're, we just, it's been too long since we've been able to get together and really wrap our arms around each other and just, share this wonderful thing of being part of the human family. And, and one of the things I just love about the transformation project is you can't go there, go to a meeting, be a part of it and not feel loved and valued. I know Zeph, you're talking about, you know, coming to the earth full of value and then that somehow being usurped by people and experiences. And, and this is what we do. We value our trans family, every one of them, you know, I mean, we value everyone. That's the truth. We value parents of trans, but our focus is on trans folks and their families. And, um, and so that's a really cool thing. And so we're just doing the second edition with, I think there's about 20 uh, different new folks who are in it from across the state. I think there's even some West river ones. There weren't any rest river ones, the last one. Um, and so that's exciting. Um, can I tell you about one more exciting thing? I don't know where time's at and stuff like that. Hold on. I think, Zesh, should we end it up? And then you can tell us on the next one. Perfect. All right. So um, we are going to 
head out for the evening. And we thank all of you for joining us for Misfit Mondays. Mm, I said, big hug, even, big hug. <laughs> even though this comes out on like Monday mornings, but it's evening when we're recording. So uh, full transparency. So we thank you all for showing up and being here to learn about toxic positivity. We can't wait to have you join us again next week where we're going to talk a little more on the topic just uh we're going to add a little spice